0: it's your host here at shooting the schmidt jonathan smith we have an absolutely loaded show for you today obviously we're talking nfl divisional rounds coming up this weekend game starting tomorrow we're breaking all those down and then i'm giving you the best quarterbacks left in the playoffs and the quarterbacks under the most pressure in the playoffs like i said it's an absolutely loaded show it's going to be a good one here we go NFL playoffs are really heating up. Oh, man, this is just one of the best times of the year. So we're going to work through these games in order of the ones that are being played. So the first game tomorrow on Saturday, uh, Jacksonville at Kansas City. Kansas City, nine-point favorites in that one. And Trevor Lawrence is going to lose on a Saturday for the first time ever in his career tomorrow. Look, I really like this Jacksonville team. Lawrence can play. Peterson can coach. These two things have been established. But they are simply outmatched by Kansas City. You know, there's really no other way around it. I think everybody knows this. This is not some, like, new take, right? Patrick Mahomes and this offense look great. The offensive line is the best pass-blocking offensive line in the NFL. Jacksonville has a solid pass rush, but I don't think it's going to be enough to really slow down Mahomes and to put pressure on him. So, with that being said, I'm going to take Kansas City win 34-24. to I know we moved through that, that one pretty quick, but that one's pretty straightforward. I do like them to cover. It's going to be a really close cover, though. New York versus Philly. This is the second game tomorrow. Philly, currently favored by 7.5 in Vegas. And Daniel Jones has been the media's favorite quarterback this week. Like every time I turn on ESPN or Fox Sports or whatever, Daniel Jones this, Daniel Jones that. It makes sense. He played really well against Minnesota. He's in New York City. It just makes sense for him to be the golden boy of the week. And here's the thing, though. He played well against Minnesota's defense. Minnesota has the 27th-ranked defensive DVOA in the league defensively, okay? In other words, their defense is really bad. No other way to put it. They don't get after the passer. Their corners don't cover, and their linebackers don't tackle. That is the recipe for an awful defense. That is the type of defense that a lot just about any quarterback in the NFL can absolutely tear up, right? Meanwhile, they're about to go on the road to Philadelphia, a much tougher place to play than Minnesota. It's going to be outside. It's going to be cold. The fans are going to be yelling at them. Philly, terrible place to go play. And the other thing is... Philly is sixth in defensive DVOA this year. That's a really good defense. This is a huge step up in competition, right? Philadelphia rushes the passer better than anybody in the league. They have the number one pass rush win rate in the NFL. Okay, this is a team that gets after the quarterback with four. And so for Daniel Jones, I don't think he's going to be anywhere near as good as as good this week as he was last week. With Jalen Hurts, not a hundred percent though. I do think that there is a path for the Giants to win this game, okay? And I believe that it falls on the shoulders of standout rookie Kayvon Thibodeau, the guy who should have been the number one overall pick, and nose guard Dexter Lawrence. If you didn't know who Dexter Lawrence was before last week, if you watched the Minnesota game, then you now know exactly who that is, okay? That man is mean. He is nasty. He gets after the quarterback. He controls the line of scrimmage by himself. In order for the Giants to win this game, both both uh, Thibodeau and Lawrence have to play well. Um, but here's the thing, right? Like I just mentioned, how well Lawrence played last week, lining up across from Jason Kelsey is, is a whole different animal. Jason Kelsey been doing it for a long time. It's one of the best centers in our game. And here's the thing, though, Lawrence is really good, as I just said. If he can control the line of scrimmage there in the middle. Clog up the run lanes, pressure Jalen Hurts, flush him out, do all those things. If he can do that, if Saquon Barkley has a big day, which I think that he will, you know, Brian Dable just does a really good job of getting him the ball, whether it's turning around handing it off to him or just swinging it out there in the flat and just letting him go make a play. They do a really good job of that. Barkley didn't t- touch the ball a ton last week. I think that was on purpose because they knew that Daniel Jones was going to be able to do enough last week to win, and they know they need Barkley this week to have a big day in order for them to win. I think that was by design. He only touched it, like I said, fourteen times last week. I expect him I expect it to be twenty five to thirty this week. Simple as that. So if Barkley has a big day, Daniel Jones doesn't turn the ball over, and Jalen Hurts isn't himself, which is very possible, right? We haven't seen him. Obviously, in two weeks now, he didn't look great in Week 18. That game was really close. I believe, you know, Philly only won by three, like 22 to 19. Um, If he isn't himself, which is very possible, right shoulder sprain, throwing shoulder, he's not going to want to run as much. All those things come into effect. If he isn't himself and these other, you know, three things happen, the Giants could win, and it would not surprise me, right? Now, obviously, like, a lot has to happen, right? Like, your nose guard has to play well. Thibodeau has to make a couple big plays. Daniel Jones has to not turn the ball over. Barkley has to have a big day, and Jalen Hurts has to be a shadow of himself. Five things. But none of these five things are over-the-top unreasonable, I would say. So there is a chance for the Giants to win. I'm not going to take them, though. I do think that they cover. I'm going to take Philly to win 28-24. to Moving on to Cincinnati and Buffalo, right? This is the game that I think everybody has circled. Obviously, the DeMar Hamlin stuff comes into effect here. It's on the road. It's in Buffalo. I fully expect for Hamlin to be at the game. I don't think he'll be down on the field. I think he'll be like up in a box and they'll like pop the window. He'll stick his head out and be like, Buffalo, you know, like something along those lines just to give people a real boost. I think it'll be, I think it'd be awesome if he was there. I think that he will be now Buffalo's getting five and a half in this game. Five and a half Buffalo favored by five and a half. That is just, that just feels like a lot, right? When we know how good this Cincinnati team is. And on top of that, I think that we've also kind of seen a decline in Josh Allen's play. Okay, he's playing hero ball. That's really the best way to put it. He knows that the as he goes, the offense goes, and this has led to him leading the league in interceptions with 16, and in fumbles with another 16. Like that is 32 times he has put the ball in harm's way. That's twice a game. Twice a game he's done that. Meanwhile, we got Joe Coolborough on the other side who just figures out ways to win. It's really impressive. The kid is just a winner through and through. And I fully expect for this to be a high-level game. Both teams were bad last week. They both sneak out with victories against teams that they should have just kind of ran through, right? Like, you know, the Bengals, they're, you know, Huntley, they're a reach across the goal line, 98-yard scoop and score away from not being here. And the Bills are, I mean, I just I still can't believe that they won that game. But anyway... So, I, I do think both teams come out focused and ready. And I'm going to take Cincy to win outright. They're not Joe Burrow dependent. And I think that is the biggest thing here, whereas the Bills are very much Josh Allen dependent, right? Like, the Bengals have a Joe Mixon, like, who's a good back. Like, you trust Joe Mixon, right? Now, I get that Cincy's offensive numbers in terms of running the ball weren't great this year. But, like I said, I trust Joe Mixon enough to give him the ball 20 to 25 times to kind of give Joe Burrow a little bit of a break and not have him shoulder everything, right? Meanwhile, the Bills don't have anyone like that. They don't. Okay, Josh Allen ran for 762 yards this year. The Bills ran for 1,673 yards. Josh Allen accounted for 46% of the Bills' rushing yards this year. That is insane. Not even Jalen Hurts, a guy who ran the ball a ton, accounted for that many yards. Okay, Josh Allen is 2001 Allen Iverson. I don't really know how else to explain it, right? 2001 Allen Iverson, this is when the Sixers went to the NBA Finals, lost in five against the Lakers, where Allen Iverson averaged like 40-something points a game through the playoffs. He was the only offense that that team had. That is exactly what Josh Allen is right now for the Buffalo Bills. He's the entire offense. He is all that they have, which is good when Josh Allen is playing at a high level. It is not good when Josh Allen is averaging two times a game, putting the ball in harm's way, whether that's an interception or that's fumbling the football. That is a recipe for disaster to have the ball in his hands that much when he's playing like this. So because of that, I'm going to take Cincinnati. I think that Josh Allen turns the ball over twice, and the Bengals win 28-27. to Like I said, really close game, high level. I'm really excited for this one. It's going to be great. Moving on to the final game. The Sunday night game, Dallas, San Francisco. San Francisco currently favored by four. And I really like San Francisco. Just as a whole, not really in this game. Dallas's pass rush makes me nervous. Anytime you have a pass rush like that against a young quarterback, you have a chance immediately. Okay. And the opinions on Brock Purdy are really split. I think people are either falling in love with him or they're waiting for him to crumble. Okay, and look, I like him. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know I like Brock Purdy. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's a good option. I think things are a little bit easier on him because he's in San Francisco. He's with the quarterback whisperer Kyle Shanahan. He is with George Kittle, and he's with, you know, Debo Samuel, and he's with Christian McCaffrey. Like all these things make it easier for him. But let's be honest. Even though he's won seven in a row, which is extremely impressive. They haven't exactly played against the best competition. He's beaten Miami when he came in late when Jimmy G got hurt. He beat Tampa Bay, who finished you know eight and nine. Uh, he beat Seattle, who made the playoffs at nine and eight, the seventh seed in the NFC. He beat Washington, who finished at seven and ten and missed the playoffs. He beat Las Vegas, who finished with a losing record. He beat Arizona, who finished with a losing record, and then he beat Seattle again. Okay, Dallas is better than every single team on this list by far. It is not close how much better Dallas is than these other teams. And this will be the first time I think that we see Brock Purdy sweat. This is the first time where he's in a legitimately close game and his defense, you know, doesn't come up with a fumble or an interception to really bail him out. Okay? And I'm very excited to see how he responds. Cuz that's ultimately like that's what sports is, it's your ability to respond to adversity, right? The superstars respond to adversity the best, simple as that. And I'm excited to see what he does when he faces adversity this week. And ultimately, I'm going to take San Francisco to win. I don't think that Dak Prescott is dynamic enough at the quarterback position to score enough points to win. Okay, and I I like, look, because it's Kyle Shanahan, they're going to score 21 points. Simple as that. Like it's Kyle Shanahan with all the weapons that I just mentioned. They're scoring 21. It's a lock. Simple as that. I just don't know if Dak Prescott and this offense are dynamic enough to match that or score more than that. Right? especially against the San Francisco defense, look, it's a whole different animal from Tampa Bay. Okay, like no, like no, This is not a five-touchdown performance from Dak Prescott. I can tell you that right now. Uh, also like the balance of San Francisco's offense. I think that's going to play a really big role, being able to turn around and hand the ball off. That should slow down this Dallas pass rush enough that Brock Purdy has time and he's able to be comfortable in the pocket. So I'm going to take San Francisco to win 24-17. I think they score a touchdown late. And I'm also going to bet that Dallas's kicker misses at least one field goal, if not at least one extra point. We're going to take a short break, and then we'll be right back. I'm going to give you the top eight quarterbacks, and then I'm going to give you the quarterbacks under the most pressure in this playoffs. It's going to be really good. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more Shooting the Schmidt. And we're back with more Shooting the Schmidt. Moving on here to the final segment of the show. I'm hoping this doesn't take me too, too long. I'm thinking like five to eight minutes tops. Here we go. So the eight quarterbacks remaining, who, who are the best ones? I think this list is pretty straightforward. I don't think I have to go super in-depth here. One is Mahomes, two is Allen, three is Burrow, four is Hurts, Lawrence is five, Dak is sixth, Jones is seventh, Purdy is eighth. Pretty straightforward. You may have some discrepancies there. Maybe you want to swap guys here and there. But for the most part, I do think that these this is a pretty accurate order. Okay. If you disagree, you're wrong. Sorry. So who of these eights? are under the most pressure. We're we'll start at the bottom. Number eight, Brock Purdy. Very straightforward. Rookie quarterback. Not a lot of expectations. Okay. Like if he loses, you can just be like, hey, you know what he is? He's a rookie quarterback. Rookie quarterback has never taken his team to the Super Bowl before. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. He did it he's you know, he played well. He's won seven in a row. Like he's a good quarterback, right? Like that has been proven now. We know this. We do. There's no more pressure on Brock Purdy. If they lose they can chalk it up to quarterback injuries. Not a big deal. Number seven, I have Lawrence. Just simply because people know. People know after watching that Chargers game that he's legit. People know that he can play and that he's going to be a star in this league. People know that Jacksonville is now a force to be reckoned with for the next 10 years because they have Trevor Lawrence. right? And I think that that was ultimately the goal for them this year, was just to assert themselves as, hey, like we're here. Okay, like we, we've we got our guy, we're going to go out, we're going to go get, you know, a couple more receivers, we're going to buff up the defense, and we're going to come back and we're going to be even better, right? And they have definitely done that. They have proven their worth. They have shown that in the AFC South, they are the standard now because they have a guy in Trevor Lawrence who can absolutely sling it all over the field and can lead back and can lead comebacks when they're down by 27. Moving on. Number six, I have Daniel Jones. So I, part of me wanted to put him higher, but I decided to sit him here at six because I think he's done enough now to be brought back next year. Okay, and that is ultimately the pressure going into it. They declined, you know, to extend him or the the fifth year option on his deal. And so for him, it's all about I have to prove that I that that they need me one more year. And I think that he's done that right. Like that was kind of I think the goal for him coming into this postseason was, hey, even if you know we don't win the Super Bowl because they're not going to. I need to at least prove that, like, I can do this, that, like, I can be a starting quarterback in the NFL when I have the right coach. And he's done that. He's gotten the right coach. He's got average at best weapons. That's the nicest way to put it, okay? Like, there is no elite receiver on that roster. Now, it's very easy for his agent to go in there and pitch. Look, he had a really good year this year. And, like, half the people that watch the NFL can't name the best receiver on this roster, right? So Jones has done really well. I think that he's you know, earned a right to be able to come back and quarterback the Giants next year, get him some help so we could really kind of see what his ceiling is. Because right now, just the receiving core, I don't think it's good enough for us to get a full grasp on how good of a quarterback Daniel Jones is. I put Mahomes at five, just simply because pe- people know who Mahomes is. People know how good he is. I think everybody would now agree that he is the best quarterback in the NFL. He's going to be the MVP again this year. He was almost a, a unanimous all-pro. One person didn't vote for him. That person is stupid. Simple as that. He's the best quarterback in the NFL. He has separated himself from everybody else. Okay? We know what he's about. He's already won a Super Bowl, so he's not really chasing that. Now, that being said, there are expectations on the Chiefs to at least to at least win the to at least win the AFC, and that is where I think the pressure comes from. They know that if they lose to Jacksonville, then they'll have underachieved. If they play Cincinnati, the pressure goes up because Cincinnati's had their number. But ultimately, people know who Mahomes is. People know he's the best quarterback in the NFL. He's won his Super Bowl. There's not much left for him to prove in terms of who he is right now. Legacy-wise, obviously, there's a lot to prove there just in terms of different accolades and things that he needs to obtain in order to, in order to be mentioned among the greats. But as of right now, current in the NFL, there's very little pressure on Mahomes. Number four, I have Joe Burrow. Just simply because you know the Bengals, they went out, they spent money to add to the offensive line. Obviously, those guys got hurt, you know, um, Collins isn't playing anymore. If those guys were playing, he would definitely be higher on my list. But because those injuries have occurred, I don't think that people are as expectant of the Bengals to go win the Super Bowl or to go win the AFC. Simple as that. People know who Joe Burrow is. They know he's one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL. They know what he's about. They know he's a winner. right? He is firmly established, and because the offensive line isn't healthy, and we saw what happened last year as a result of that, I don't think that the pressure is as great because people know Hey, they're not fully healthy. But with that being said, he doesn't have a Super Bowl, and they are more than talented enough to go and win one this year. So there is a little bit of pressure there. Number three, I have Jalen Hurts. And a large part of this is just because he's playing in Philly. Um, You know, Philly fans are absolutely ruthless, no other way to put it. And when you play in a city like that, there's automatically more pressure on you. And on top of that, like, this is a guy who was. You know, gonna be the MVP before he got hurt, or but he was going to potentially be the MVP before he got hurt. On top of that, this is also a guy who's never won a playoff game before. He's never won a playoff game, and if they come out and they lose to the Giants, even though Jalen Hurts has only played in two playoff games in his career, the narrative will immediately be Jalen Hurts can't win in the playoffs. Jalen Hurts can't win when the lights are bright. Jalen Hurts can't beat the Giants in the playoffs, like a, a team that is clearly inferior. Like, what are we going to do? Like, Jalen Hurts, do the Eagles need to move on? All these different storylines are going to come out if Jalen Hurts doesn't at least make an appearance in the NFC Championship game, right? Like, if they get there and they lose to San Francisco, I think people will be okay for the most part from a national media standpoint. Obviously, Philly fans will be upset because they're Philly fans and it's cold and they're always upset. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, for Hurts, look, if he can beat the Giants, I, I think a lot of the pressure will come off of his, will come off of his shoulders in terms of that. Number two, I have Dak Prescott. Simply because he plays in Dallas, this is another fan base that is highly expectant of their quarterbacks. On top of that, they they paid him a ton of money, okay? And when you pay quarterbacks the amount of money that they're paying Dak, you expect them to go out and win games that they aren't supposed to. Simple as that. They are not supposed to beat San Francisco. But the expectation in Dallas, the, expectate, the expectation in Jerry Jones' office is for them to go out and win this game because they've handed Dak all this money. They said, hey, you are our franchise guy. Go out and prove it to us. Like, go out and prove to us that we have made the right decision. So there's a ton of pressure on Dak. If he loses to, you know, rookie quarterback Brock Purdy, like, there's going to be some issues in that locker room. There's going to be some issues in that building. People are going to be upset that they've paid him all this money and he wasn't able to deliver when it mattered most. Finally, number one is Josh Allen. This is very straightforward. People expect a lot out of this Bills team. People expect Josh Allen to play well. People expect for the Bills to win the Super Bowl. They were the favorite going into the playoffs at like plus three twenty, right? So there's there's a high expectation for this Buffalo Bills team. A huge expectation for Josh Allen. And look, if they don't win, you know, I heard it said on on a different podcast, then we'll go straight to like the whole Bucks Giannis kind of thing, where it's like, yeah, like he's great, he's really dominant, yada yada yada. But you know. Because of this, you know they they don't win big games, right? And obviously, with Allen, it won't fall directly on him. It'll fall a lot of it will fall just on Sean McDermott and their inability to run the football. You know, for the past you know four years. Um, but yeah, Josh Allen is definitely number one on this list. Once again, starting at the top, Josh Allen has the most pressure, and then Dak, Hurts, Burrow, Mahomes, Jones, Lawrence, Purdy. That's gonna do it here at Shooting the Schmidt. Thank you so much for taking your time out of the day to listen. I'll be back either on Monday or Tuesday with another podcast for y'all. Cannot wait to do it. It's going to be an absolutely great weekend of football. I hope you enjoy it. I'll talk to you again on Monday or Tuesday.